Good evening. Good to see everybody this evening. And since we just sang a song that says, Give me the Bible, I hope someone has given you one and you'll open it up to Isaiah chapter 49. And in just a little while, we're going to be looking at verses 15 and 16. Isaiah 49, verses 15 and 16. But before we look at this particular text, I want to tell you a story about a woman by the name of Betty Vaughn. And um, Karen and I know a woman who lives in Rock Hill named Betty Vaughn, but that's not the Betty Vaughn that I'm talking about tonight. Uh, This lady lives in Louisville, Kentucky. And several years ago, somehow or another, not sure how it worked, but she got in a car that looked exactly like hers. Uh, I think it was one year off as far as the year of the car, uh, but it was the exact same make and model, and somehow or another, the key started the car, but it wasn't her car. And she started the car, left the store where she was at, and drove all the way home and did not realize she had someone else's car until she reached up to hit the garage door opener and it wasn't there. The first thing she thought, well, somebody has stolen my garage door opener. But then as she started paying more attention to the car that she was in, she realized that she was in the wrong car. Well, of course, the owner of the car reported the car stolen. And the police showed up at Betty Vaughn's house, and she was about to be arrested for grand larceny. And um, she explained to the police what happened, and the police called the owner of the car And the man that owned the car just laughed, and he says, I think that's something I might have been able to do myself. It's just an honest mistake. It was a case of mistaken identity. She happened to think that was her car, but it wasn't her car. And lo and behold, and and Scott, I don't know how this happens, but her key started the car. Well, another story that I've read about was a woman who came out of a shopping mall and walked out to what she thought was her car. And in that car were three teenagers listening to music. And she could not believe that these three teenagers were in her car listening to music. And so she knocked on the window and she said, you need to get out of my car. And they said, lady, this is not your car. And she says, it most certainly is my car. And they said, no, it's not your car. And she says, well, you're just a bunch of hoodlums. You need to get out of my car. You need to get, this is my car. And they said, ma'am, no, this is our car. We're not getting out. You know what she did? She pulled out a gun. Those kids got out of the car. They got out of the car and they ran. And as soon as she got in the car and sat down and tried to start the car, this time it didn't work. And she realized, I just pulled pulled a gun on some kids and made them run. But once again, it was all just a case of mistaken identity. Telling my father just a little bit, and if he was here, he wouldn't mind if I told these stories because he will laugh along with you. But a couple years ago, uh, he was talking to some people in front of a printing shop, and I know this happened because I was with him at the time, and he was standing there talking to that guy, and he says, well, I need to go. And he opened up the back door of his car and climbed into the back seat. And the first thing he said that came to his mind was, who in the world stole my steering wheel? He had a case of mistaken identity. Another time he was coming out of a... um, service station where they sold snacks and whatnot, and he had bought a couple of snacks on a journey. I wasn't with him this time, but he told me about it. And there was a car parked right, it was, his car was right here, and another car was right here. 
And um, as he was walking toward his car, the windows were down on the car right beside him. For some reason, he tossed the snacks to the back of the car and got in his back of their car and got in his car. I don't know why he did that, but he thought in his mind he was thinking he was throwing them in his own back window. Uh, but all of us sometimes in our lives have um, made mistakes, thinking that we had things figured out, but we had don't have them figured out. Uh, I think I've done this before, and and. and you maybe have done this before, but have you ever ordered food at a drive-through restaurant, like at a McDonald's or whatnot, and got up to the count, got up to the window and paid the person the money and drove off and didn't get your food? I see some head shaking. That's happened to people. Uh, they thought that they had their food. They thought they had what they needed, but it was mistaken identity. Uh, even today, in the maternity wards of hospitals, there is a thing that people do when a baby is born. They'll give a uh, mother, a band, and they'll give a matching band to that baby. And this is a practice that started about the time my kids were born, my oldest kids. And the purpose of that was not only to make sure that babies weren't stolen, because that does happen occasionally, uh, but also to make sure that the right mom got the right baby. Because sometimes there are cases of mistaken identity. It's so easy uh, as we go through this life, to mistake things as being correct and not being correct, and especially when it comes to people. Um, there have been times, I'm sure, in your life, as it is in my life, you think that somebody you saw was the person you thought they were, but they actually weren't that person. There's a story, there was a story told somebody, uh, one time about a man who was walking through an airport, and as he was walking through his airport, airport this man came up to him that he had never seen in his entire life, and he said, Bob, it's so good to see you. Man, I hadn't seen you in years. And he kept saying, I think you've got the wrong person. And he says, no, no, I know it's you. You've changed a lot. Your, your hair looks different, and you've, your body shape is a little bit different, and, and there's some other things different about you. But I know you're Bob. It's so good to see you. And, and he says, I'm not the person you think I am. He says, no, you've changed a lot, but you're still the same man. He says, sir, my name is not Bob. He says, wow, you changed your name too case of mistaken identity. Several years ago, I was speaking in Knoxville, Tennessee at the Carnes congregation, and there was this red-headed girl that came up to me, and she says, do you know who I am? And I have a cousin named Becky that's red-headed that I haven't seen probably in 25 or 30 years. And so I looked at her for a moment, and I thought, this must be my cousin Becky. <laughs> I said, are you my cousin Becky? And she says, No. And I said, she says, I'm, I'm Cindy Powell. We went to, I went to school with you. My husband and I went to school with you. And it, it offended her that I didn't remember who she was. Uh, but a case of mistaken uh, identity. This evening, I want to supplement a point that I made this morning. And the reason why I want to supplement, because I wanted to spend some more time on it this morning, but I didn't want to belabor the point in the lesson that I was doing at the time. Uh, it would have been unfair to spend as much time on one point and not spend it as much time on the other points and didn't want to make you stay here any longer than you needed to. But the lesson this morning, of course, was about the book of life. And the very first point that I made was that God knows us by name. God knows us by name. He never, ever confuses us with somebody else. And it's a good thing that he doesn't do that. Uh, I'm so very thankful 
that he never mistakes me for somebody else. Because can you imagine this scene that might unfold if he did sometime mistake us for somebody else? The song that Scott picked out for us this morning, the invitation song, The Roll is Called Up Yonder, and I'll be there. We'll all be there. But can you imagine when the roll is being called up yonder and it comes time for your turn and you know that you have been born again, you know that you have been saved and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and you're standing there and they call your name and you're expecting to hear a certain verdict and because they mistook you for somebody else. You're dragged off to spend eternity with hell, with Satan and his angels in hell. Case of mistaken identity. And how terrible would that be if God confused us with somebody else? But we need to always appreciate the fact that God knows who we are. He knows our names. He never mistakes us for somebody else. If you look at the scripture that I have picked out for, for tonight, Isaiah chapter 49, verses 15 and 16, the prophet Isaiah Speaking for God gives us a beautiful image of how well God knows us. The text says, Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hand. The walls are continually before me. I want you to look at that text, and I want you to think about the point the point that's being made in the text. And it's like God is trying to think of the most perfect example or the most extreme example of recognition. And as through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Isaiah is writing these words down, he, he thinks that the perfect example of someone not mistaking someone for someone else is a mother's recognition of her own child. Now, I understand and appreciate the fact that there are some extreme cases when this, this might happen in a hospital or whatnot. But I also know of cases when in the hospitals where people have messed up and brought the wrong child, even a newborn babe, back to a mother, and a mother almost knows immediately that that's not her son or her daughter, especially if she is breastfeeding that child because there's just certain characteristics a bond between that mother and that child that she knows without a doubt whether or not that is actually her child. And it's a good thing in hospitals today that they do have these bands because that way the mother will always win the argument when sometimes there have been arguments being made about whether or not that was actually her child or not. But Isaiah takes this particular idea and talks about a, a, a child that is so close to the mother that they are breastfeeding and therefore the mother knows without a doubt that this is their child, and so this is an extreme idea that there would never be any mistaken identity. She knows for a fact who this baby is. Well, Isaiah takes that thought and says that God exceeds this in our lives. That even as a mother may know who her child is, God knows who we are. He knows us by name. And he never, ever forgets his people is the point in, uh, in the context why this is even uh, in the text here. That God does not forget who we are. That God will continue to have compassion on us even if there are some mothers out in the world today who don't have compassion for their own children. He is going to always, never, ever going to forget us. In fact, it makes a picture in verse 16 that's kind of interesting, but literally he is saying 
In verse 16, when he says, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hand, the idea is there that God has either carved or tattooed into the skin of his hands our very names, and there's no way in the world that you could ever, he could ever forget who you are. I don't know if this is what the scriptures had in mind or not, but when I was reading this, I thought about the fact that oftentimes when we um, wanted to remember something, when we are afraid that we might forget something, someone's telling us a telephone number, and this is back before the age we had cell phones where we could punch stuff into a cell phone, or even back before the days where Scott carried around a notebook in his top pocket. But we would sometimes get a pen, and what would we do? We would take the information that we were being given, and we would write, them, write it on our hand. That way we wouldn't forget. Even if something as silly as trying to remember somebody's name at a get-together or whatnot, we may write that person's name down on our hand. Of course, it was kind of embarrassing when they came up to you and you said, oh, and you're uh, so-and-so. Well, the whole point is that God does the same thing. It's like God has had not only written it down on his hand, but he has permanently engraved it into his hands to let us know that he will never, ever forget who we are. There never, ever will be any mistaken identity as far as God is concerned. And the idea of the text where it says, Thy walls are continually before me, he's talking about the plan that, we have, that he has for our lives. It's like he's put us uh, between walls and he's, he's making sure that we understand and appreciate the fact that God has a plan. In the context, he may have been literally talking about the walls that surrounded the city of Jerusalem. But actually what more is going on there is that God has not forgotten his people, Israel, and has not forgotten his plans for them. But in our situation today and the application that can be made, not only does God know who we are, and he'll never forget who we are, and he'll never stop loving who we are, and he has a plan for each and every one of our lives because he knows each and every one of us, of us by name, and he's never going to be mistaken. There's never going to be any mistaken uh, identity. His name, or my name, is in his hand. Now, Smitty read for us a few moments ago from John chapter 10 and verse 3. And once again, for emphasis' sake, though it's a very simple verse, we need not to miss the point that's being brought out. If you want to open your Bibles back over to John chapter 10 and verse 3. And of course, chapter 10 deals with the fact that Jesus Christ is the shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And since he is the good shepherd, he's going to know his sheep by name. The illusion there is going all the way back to the time in which Jesus lived, that Shepherds had a very intimate relationship with their sheep. Today, if you go to some place who has a sheep farm, they basically drive the sheep. But back in Jesus' day, especially as Psalms 23 points out, shepherds led sheep. And if you want to study Psalm 23, you can understand and appreciate the very intimate relationship that the shepherd had with his sheep. And he oftentimes would name his sheep because he knew them so well, because he was taking such good care of them. And so Jesus makes a spiritual application that should be something that um, should give us assurance, make us feel loved, and realize that God really does know us by name. But beginning in chapter uh, 10 at verse 1, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. 
Once again, there is the idea that God has a special place for us who are His people. And we're led to that special place because of Jesus Christ. It's by His blood, it's by His willing to sacrifice Himself for us that He becomes our shepherd, the good shepherd. But that good shepherd just didn't die for a faceless humanity. That shepherd didn't shed his blood just for a group of people that he thinks that needed it. No, he shed his blood for each individual person, and he knows each one of those individual people by name. And when we respond to that blood, he certainly knows our name because we become his sheep. God knows us as individuals. There's no such thing as mistaking identity. He gave us the blood of Jesus Christ to make sure that we always understand and appreciate that He wants to save us. One more passage, and then the lesson is yours. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. Where the Apostle Paul says these words. He says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. The Apostle Paul in this passage, I think, makes the point that I'm trying to make tonight. Paul understood that he had a personal relationship with God. Oftentimes when he talked about God and he talked about Jesus Christ, he didn't talk about it from the standpoint of a person looking outside and looking in, but the idea that this is something that was personal. Paul understood that Jesus Christ died for everybody. Paul understood that God was the Father of everybody. Paul understood that those who are in the church that are redeemed are all very special to God. But when he thought about his relationship and the fact that God knew him by name, he used the personal term here, personal pronoun, when he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And so he could go on and say, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep me against that day. Paul knew who God was and Paul knew that God knew who he was. So the next time that someone mistakes you for somebody else, or maybe you mistake somebody for someone else, always remember that God's never, ever going to do that. He knows who you are. He knows your name. He has a plan for your life. He wants you to be saved. He wants your name to be on that honor roll of the redeemed. He wants you to be in the Lamb's book of life. There's some way we can help you do that this evening. We want you to respond as together we stand and sing.